Hey. Hey. You sick of me yet? Yes. <laughs> oh, that makes two of us. Good. Hey, uh, it's a lot of background noise and not a lot of voice noise. What is? You. Oh, me is? How about now? Much, much better. Much, much better. Okay, I'm going to try turning you down. Keep talking. Talk, talk, talkity, talk, talk. Blah, blah, blah. I'm a pretentious piece of shit, and I wanted to talk about this extremely cerebral album that contains all <laughs> kinds of historical and literary illusions. It's probably yeah. very inaccessible. Yeah, it's going to go really, really well. <laughs> it's going to be hilarious. Okay, I turned you down um, so that I don't have to listen to you talk. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that so, too. And so, so maybe, maybe that'll uh, get rid of the um, echo effect. Oh, maybe it'll get rid of that annoying hearing of Nathan's voice problem that you've yeah. been experiencing. And, and you know, the voice is fine, but it's the ideas and the general sentiments and thoughts. That and the words the, and the tone. And the words. <laughs> <laughs> the sounds in general. And just the, and just the knowledge of where it's all coming from <laughs> and the implications. The toxic therein. stew that is the brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't, can't the, argue with you the there. The slurry... <laughs> slurry. <laughs> uh, Slurry is a really funny word. Mixlurry. <laughs> the first time I heard the word slurry is uh, when I looked up how to make um, orange. How chicken. to make a slurry? <laughs> <laughs> Let me Google how to make slurry real quick. How to slurry? <laughs> Wait, they actually yeah, but, like teach you how to make a slurry? Well, like for like orange chicken or like kung pao chicken or like um different kind of breaded things you have to like make this sort of it's some sort of like oil corn starch like slurry Mm -hmm. and then you just throw nasty meat in there ew all right let's get this show on the road how about why not Monday, Monday, Monday. It's Think Outside the Box It. A podcast. It's about learning this to appreciate an artist black catalog. <laughs> I'm Strong Bad. You, I guess you sound more like Strong Mad. Strong Mad. I can be the quietest mouse. <laughs> and I'm Nathan Hunt. And I'm Cameron DeWitt. We are not listening to an artist's back catalog or learning how to appreciate them. We're listening to an artist that Nathan already appreciates. Already and, appreciates. Uh, maybe by the end of the episode, I will also appreciate. Ooh, we're playing with our format. Ooh, boogity, 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 boogity. Ooh. Watch us play with our format. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess I'll have to put that into Pornhub just because that's a recurring bit that we have. <laughs> I don't want to, but damn it. Look what you made me do. I have to start jacking it. So right. I didn't want to do this tonight. <laughs> it's all my fault. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, uh, we decided to give ourselves a little bit of an interlude, uh, yeah. one to we buy time. It. And also because we earned it, <laughs> uh, but mostly to buy time. And also because like, you know, uh, this is a show we play with the format if we want to. Yeah, it's our goddamn show. And how dare Shut you? Up. How dare you have any opinions or thought about thoughts about it? Anyone besides us? <laughs> Nathan, uh, I'm su- I'm supposed to be the bad cop, and you're oh, that's right, to be that's right. 
No, Cameron, I I love our listeners. They can have opinions or whatever. I don't know. Fuck them. I wish we weren't recording this. <laughs> I wish it was just you and me talking. <laughs> okay, just so... Just you and me and God. And, and John. And John Kale. John Kale. That's who we're talking about. He's not a leafy green superfood. He's, he's a not. Welshman. No. He's a Welsh man. And he's not J.J. Kale, who is another singer-songwriter uh, and pal of Eric Clapton, who goes by the name J.J. Kale because he didn't want to get confused with John Kale, who is slightly older than oh, him. Oh, very good. Yeah. I don't want to be confused with that old fart, John Kale. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I was struck about, struck by when listening to this album again. Are you okay? For the thousandth time. What? Oh, what? very good. <laughs> Man walks into a bar. Ouch, he says. Um, struck by. Very good. Puns. Uh, I was like, man, this guy is in some ways kind of a proto Sufjan Stevens. He's like mixing. I definitely heard a little bit of that. Yeah, mixing story and history with this like orchestral Baroque pop. Yeah. Yeah. He sounds a lot like Nick Drake, too. Oh, yeah. He played with Nick Drake. He like uh, arranged some sense. of the music and played some of the instruments, and I think was involved in the production of Brighter Later. Yeah. Have you been listening to Nick Drake? Did oh yeah, talk about that. Uh, yeah, I started listening to him maybe six months ago. He's great. Love him. Was that that after? Because you didn't. I if I remember right, I brought up Nick Drake on the show, and you're like, I've never listened to Nick Drake. Oh yeah, that was like a couple dozen episodes ago, though. Now oh, I'm the man. expert. Time flies. Did you listen to his mom's music at all? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. All those Drakes, especially Aubrey Drake. And then Drake and Josh. Do you ever listen to Drake and Josh? (laughs) Drake Bell. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all right, but mostly I'm interested in them because of the diss tracks that Pusha T put out about those guys. Is that true? No, (laughs) but Pusha T did have an extremely harsh diss track about Drake. Yeah. Really took him to the cleaners. Um, does he? I don't know anything about Drake. Is he? Does he earn that? Um, is he a, who knows, is, man? I don't know. Did I hear something about him plagiarizing or something? I don't. He has like Ghost Riders or something, which oh. I guess Pusha T took offense. At. I just. I don't know. I've, I'd never heard of Pusha T before. He was all over Twitter for dissing Drake. And I was like, yeah. I guess I listened to one Drake album like seven years ago. I guess. You say his name is Pusha T? Pusha T. The letter T, Pusha not like the drink. T? No I wonder if T, I wonder if T. I wonder if he drinks tea. Um, I wonder if T stands for Tallahassee. It stands for Tallahassee, <laughs> Tallahassee pain, just like in T-Pain. You know, that, you know that that is what T-Pain. That's I did look that up, yeah. It's, yeah. Named after how <laughs> he had a hard time in Tallahassee. Yeah. And isn't that true for all of Tallahassians? Tallahassians? Tallahassians. Tallahassians. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, so this is the album Paris 1919 by John Cale from 1973. It's by far the oldest and shortest record we've discussed ever on this show. I I didn't know that John Cale was an, an old person. Yeah, he's a decrepit old skeleton. I, I thought when I listened to this, I was like, uh, what is this, uh, the shins nonsense when I was listening to this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's actual old music. 
<laughs> yeah, dude. He uh, co-founded the Velvet Underground and played viola Very for good. them. Uh, how to- many? How many times have I have I uh, mentioned that I almost had Doug Yule on Get Up in the Cool? Yule Cool. You mentioned it once. Get Up in the Yule. Yeah. Okay. We made that exact joke last time. Get a few- Get a few more mentions in there. Um, yeah. So I think he worked on songwriting and played viola for the Velvet Underground. And you can hear his viola on the song Venus in Furs, which goes a little something like this. So he co-founded the Velvet Underground, left after two albums, and struck out on a solo career. Um, incidentally, his second album was the first to be released by, I think it was Warner, under their as a classical album. Uh, he's, he's worked with Terry Riley. He's worked with like a bunch of different people. Done production for a bunch of people. Worked with Nick Drake, as we said. Um, he's also responsible for reworking Leonard Cohen's song Hallelujah into the song that we know today. Hmm. From Wikipedia, Kale had watched Cohen perform the song and asked Cohen to send him the lyrics. Cohen then faxed Kale 15 pages of lyrics. Kale claims that he oh went through God. and just, quote, picked out the cheeky verses. <laughs> so he, like, rearranged all the words and, like, put them in the order and cut and pasted all the lines into different verses and stuff. And now even Cohen has adopted Kale's version of the song. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, a good song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely like Leonard Cohen's version the least. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Sounds like Miss Piggy. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. I do love the way it's used in Watchmen though. Zack Snyder. Very good. Yeah. I don't... Zack Snyder, he can do no wrong. Zack Snyder. As far as I'm concerned. Yep. He's never (laughs) made a misstep with the single one of his movies. And Watchmen is definitely not the outlier of a single movie that actually works. (laughs) Um... Yeah, oh, this album also... DC, DC bro for life. Oh, God. This album also features musicians from Little Feet of Colin Baton Rouge fame. It's a connection to Garth. Oh, very good. Yeah. Yeah, it took me many, many listens before I really sort of caught on to the sort of hippie country rock uh, thing that's going on here. Because John Cale's definitely bringing like pop, Baroque pop, uh, orchestral arrangements. He also uses the UCLA Symphony Orchestra on this album. Um, But they also get like the (laughs) almost like jam band vibe of Little Feet going on. Um, trying to what? make a if it ain't broke pop don't fix it pop joke oh but I think that was it it refuses to be made oh I think that I mean sometimes even better than mm. making a joke is just handing your audience the raw materials for a joke yeah it's DIY joke <laughs> here you go BYOJ is <laughs> we're the blue apron of jokes <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> I want to get a tattoo that says that <laughs> Very good. Uh, so general general thoughts, impressions. What do you think of this album? Did you love it? How much did you love it? You mm-hmm. loved it. I didn't love it, no. No. Oh. Uh, You're such I a liked grump. It fine. You're such a curmudgeon. Mm, I don't feel grumpy about it. I just didn't love it. Mm. I might love it if I listened to it a lot more. Okay. But uh, 
Yeah, I think it was a little distracting to me. Like I was kind of going about my business, like trying to figure out how to fucking synopsize these songs, <laughs> and <laughs> they refused to be synopsized. <laughs> yep. Like I start, I start to synopsize them, and they're like, uh, 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 uh. goddamn mouth. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? Like, yeah yeah there's one they, song that's kind of straightforward and even that one's not that straightforward the next one track two uh no that's that's the only song i understood oh really not not uh half past france even oh is that a song about war going to war well it's about a soldier returning so, home from war returning home see <laughs> okay <laughs> Yeah. I don't know how this episode's going We're really playing with the format because it's going to be the first episode where you synopsize all the songs. <laughs> yep. I did write out a synopsis for all these songs. Well, sort of, because Thank a few of them I'm just like, I don't know, man. Um, right. And and I want to address that like I feel a little hypocritical for criticizing Alanis for vague songwriting hey, episode hey. after episode after episode. But I do think this is different. And these well, songs... It's hard to synopsize them. It's hard to see the big picture of what these songs are because they're written in a pretty imagistic style that is is sort of like meant to evoke a feeling or an emotion or a state of mind rather than like a narrative. And Yeah, I mean where Alanis was poetically bluffing this is just poetry. Yeah, yeah, it is. The lyrics like, are this is just clearly not a bluff. Yeah, it's they're very poetic in many ways and yeah i usually mean that as a credit uh, a big big insult but here i think it's okay <laughs> um to that end there uh, are very few rhymes on this album did you notice that uh no i didn't notice that some which blank is good verse sign, i think yeah some uh, some blank verse yeah from wikipedia it says the album's title makes reference to the 1919 paris peace conference an event that established a new partitioning of europe uh, and other countries that they don't mention, uh, <laughs> including a lot of the Middle East and Africa, that as well as the assignment of unilateral war reparations, with the event having arguably contributed substantially to the rise of the Third Reich and the emergence of World War II, Kale described the record as, quote, an example of the nicest ways of saying something ugly. Wow. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> I, that's a lot. This is like That's like a bold... Bold, big vision for yeah. for songs that are so nuanced. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And the thing is, like, it's not that controlling of a uh, vision. Like, it's not right. a, like it's a record about World War One or about the Paris Peace Conference or about you know post World War One Europe. Even right, kind of like wanders through a lot of that, but also pre World War One, during World War One, even some contemporary references. So it's not like a concept album, like a prog rock album about like World War One, Europe, man. Uh, it's all about yeah. hobbits. <laughs> it's 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 about vampires, but really, it's just a metaphor about the reunification of post-war Germany. Yeah. Um, Rolling Stone had a review in 1973 that I think is quite good. It says the subject of Paris 1919 is nothing less than the entirety of Western European high culture, which I don't think is quite accurate because considering it doesn't like go back to Rome or Greece. Um, But it does say that it's viewed roughly from a post-World War Dada surrealist perspective. 
And uh, is that. Kale's lyrics are something else entirely. He has scored a major coup by adapting, often brilliantly, the spirit of Dada Surrealist poetry into the pop idiom. Do I don't you know, know what, what that Dada Surrealist is. So Dada is, a, is an art movement in the, I want to say the 20s or a little bit earlier, that was kind of destructive, trying to break language down to its very base uh, building blocks, and hence the word Dada, which is meaningless, but is two syllables, Dada. And it's closely allied with Surrealism, which uses... Um, ordinary things often uses ordinary things in extraordinary circumstances like the paintings of mm. Rene Magritte or uh, probably a good example that you'll you'll know is Salvador Dali's painting the melting clocks yes like that's that's a famous surrealist painting it's like clocks don't melt like that but that's why it's surrealist <laughs> um, there's some really good surrealist poetry out there too like Andre Breton is super cool Anyway, so you can see why a record like this might appeal to a freaking nerd like me. I'm going to give you a wedgie so hard. <laughs> give me that digital wedgie. Skype wedgie. <laughs> yeah. So, any other, uh, any other general thoughts before we get into it? No, let's jump in. Great. Let's dive in. So the first song is called A Child's Christmas in Wales. Okay, so I guess I'll be synopsizing most of these to the extent that I it seems can. Like the, it seems like this song's about unity or something. <laughs> how, like the how last do you mean? two stanzas. How do you mean? Sebastopol, Adrianopolis, the prayers of all combined take down the flags of ownership. The walls are falling down. Mm-hmm. Uh, good neighbors were we all. That's mm. that's like the most like of a theme that I could sort of get out of this, but I don't necessarily okay. know... I don't know how to tie in the rest of the stuff, like the mistletoe, yeah. and candle green, and Halloween, and um, this... murdered oranges yeah. on a board ship. On board, sh- on board ship. Sorry, on, uh, yeah. it's not a board ship. Cattle They're grazing. on board the ship. Uh, yeah. yeah, I almost feel like this song is just a collection of unrelated stanzas, okay. or maybe pairs of stanzas. It's one of the ones that resists. Um, Resist classification. Uh, it's named after a prose poem by Dylan Thomas from 1956 um, called A Child's Christmas in Wales. Um, but the, the prose poem is much easier to understand than this song. And this is definitely not even close to an, a direct adaptation of it. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of like disconnected images and allusions that don't really coalesce, coalesce into a story. And yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily super successful songwriting from a lyrical perspective, but then again, not all songs necessarily have to be easy to grasp. Um, yeah. What is this? Cause he repeats this one here, right? Um, no, that's just one time. Yeah, yeah. All these, none of this is repeated, I guess. Yeah. A belt to hold Columbus to perimeters of nails perceived the mama's golden touch. Good neighbors. Were we all? Yeah, I think that's one of the least successful 
stanzas of this one. Um, so the opening one goes with mistletoe and candle green to Halloween. We go 10 murdered oranges bled on board ship lend comedy to shame. And I think we, we get like a little bit of a, a sense of childhood nostalgia, which is also present in the Dylan Thomas poem. Mm. Um, and it's got the sense of the seasons passing towards Christmas. Yeah. Um, and it's got some like strange violence in the murdered oranges. Um, and it's kind of like meaningless violence, but it's also, I guess, I guess you can relate it to colonialism too, because they're importing the oranges on the ships and they're murdered right. in the sense that they're cut off from their parent plants. And mm. you wouldn't have that without colonization or later globalization. Right. And mm. yeah. And I think, I think let's see the second to last stanza. We get some, some of the first references to a Europe in decline. It says Sevastopol, Adrianapolis, the prayers of all combined take down the flags of ownership. The walls are falling down. Is that about the restructuring? So there's a couple things going on here. I have <laughs> throughout these songs, I have a uh, recurring segment that I have created called illusion watch. I could have called it use your illusion illusion maybe, but then I'd be stealing a joke from arrested development and that's never something I've ever done. Not even once. Um, so Sevastopol is the largest city on the Crimean peninsula and a major black sea port. Uh, it is notable for figuring prominently in the Crimean war, which Britain was involved in, in the mid 1850s. And Adrianapolis is now a city in Turkey called Edirne. And, it was important during the Balkan Wars of 1912 to 1913, which immediately preceded the uh, First World War, of course. Um, so those are those are like kind of at the edge of Europe, on its eastern edge, and are involved in wars that sort of feed into the First World War. Right. So heady, heady stuff. Real yeah. fun. It's like doing your homework listening to these lyrics. Isn't that great? <laughs> this is so edutaining. <laughs> We're learning and loving. Learning is fun. Because knowledge is power. All right, let's go to the next song. It's called Hanky Panky and How. Is Hanky Panky funny in Wales? <laughs> um, I don't think it has the sense of being like uh, sexy times over there. Really? Yeah. Okay, what does it mean? I, I was actually wondering if Hanky Panky meant something different in the UK, but I looked it up and it seemed to imply that it just means like trickery. And in, in fact, it's old British slang. Um, huh. Yeah. So he's saying hanky-panky know-how, which means in no way is it trickery. Oh, yeah. interesting. Because that, that's confusing because I was – I didn't really read the lyrics that closely. I was just mostly listening to it. So I, I heard know-how. So it sounded like it was a song about uh, someone who just is really good at sex and knowledgeable. <laughs> like I have hanky-panky know-how. <laughs> I think that's just what I wanted it to be about. <laughs> that would be great if it were. Uh, unfortunately, it's... I think that really informed my reading. 
Really? Would you like to synopsize it then from that perspective? Ooh, not sure. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's saying like the sashaying of gentlemen gives you grievance now and then. What's needed are some memories of planing lakes. Those planing lakes will surely calm you down. That sounded to me like it was like someone who needed to take a cold shower. Mm. So Those that was like setting you up. Sexy gentlemen sashaying around. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Just and then the next one, and, and then the next one is, uh, there's not very many lyrics in this, but nothing frightens me more than religion at my door. I never answer panic knocking, falling down the stairs upon the law. What law? Uh, I wasn't sure exactly what that meant, but to me, uh, after that first verse that I was reading as sort of like sexual repression or sexual anxiety, mm-hmm. that combined with religion um was like okay yeah uh, these seem connected and then uh that la- and then like there's a law for everything and for elephants that sing to keep the cows that agriculture won't allow hanky panky know how um and then it seemed like it was talking about uh sort of not fitting into like neat little boxes that society has you know, for you. Um, so like, it seems like he was talking about, I don't know, like heteronormativity or, um, sexual, um, conformity. Mm. Um, I think you're onto something there, except I don't think this song is necessarily very sexual. Um, right. I mean, it really did all kind of (laughs) (laughs) orbit around that. My understanding of what hanky panky meant. Hanky panky knowledge. Uh, I read this song as kind of a lament about civilization. And I think yeah. that it would have resonated a lot with the people after the devastation of the First World War because there was a lot of disillusionment, uh, seeing that, like, this is what civilization has brought us to, like, the destruction of an entire generation of men and the destruction of entire countries and the dissolution of empires and the horrors yeah. of the battles and just senseless violence, all these people who died for no reason. And, in fact, in fact... As a side note, that's part of what inspired the Dada and Surrealist movements is seeing Mm. the horrors of the war and just sort of rebelling against civilization and the act of meaning making. Uh, So in the first verse, like you said, the speaker is urging kind of a return, like a pastoral return to planing lakes, whatever that means. I don't know in what sense the lakes are planing or what that means. Um, The second verse has that anxiety about religion Nothing frightens me more, me more than religion at my door. Um, I guess they have Seventh-day Adventists or something uh, in mm. the 20s or whenever this song is set. And then he finally goes so far as to I question... I don't think se- Seventh-day Adventists go door-to-door. Don't is that they? A thing? Or is that Jehovah's Witnesses? You're talking about Jehovah's? Oh, sorry. My bad. Yeah, I've witnessed many Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> You could call me a Jehovah's Witness witness. Yeah. So wouldn't be wrong. (laughs) In the last verse, the speaker even goes so far as to question agriculture, which is the very first building block of civilization. There's a law for everything uh, and for elephants that sing to keep the cows that agriculture won't allow. And then it's hanky panky. know how. And I guess in context, it's saying to sex you real good. Okay. I think in context he's meaning he's like the like a pastoral escape from civilization is kind of an escape from mm. trickery or something. 
Interesting. Yeah. So that's kind of my read on the song, which is really interesting and hilarious. So when I was listening to this with Becca in the car, uh, we weren't listening to it very closely. Mm-hmm. And I was just listening. I was like, this sounds like, sounds like he's singing Hanky Panky Know How. And she's like, I, I think he is singing that. Like, I, I just said, like, wouldn't that be hilarious? You know, like, obviously it's not. And she's like, no, dude. I think <laughs> Couldn't it possibly is Hanky be. Panky know How. <laughs> Uh, Must be some mistake. Yeah, I really wonder when that phrase picked up its sexual connotations. I'm looking it up. Hanky panky sexy. <laughs> I'm just gonna type this into Pornhub real quick. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, I'm re- I'm actually really curious right now if there are if there are uh, <laughs> videos on Pornhub that use old timey like cute words for sex, like making whoopee would be another good one. Dare I Pornhub. Dot com. Um, when I look up hanky panky sexy Wikipedia, <laughs> <laughs> hanky, uh, the first hit is "Grown and Sexy" is the sixth studio album by R and B singer Babyface. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> okay, there's plenty of stuff on Pornhub that says hanky panky. Okay, no need okay. to no need to go there. <laughs> uh, a lot of it's kind of gross. Oh, entrepreneur.com, Hanky Panky, building a business on empowering women. That's, wait, that's the name of a business? It's called Hanky Panky? That's an, that's an article. Oh, yeah, oh. it is. Holy shit. Hanky Panky, Inc. Okay, we, <laughs> we've gone way off track. We've Let's, gone down a real, a real Hanky Panky hole. Hanky hole. Let's talk about the next song, which is called The Endless Plane of Fortune. Two in the Hank, one in the Pank. Okay. <laughs> that low brass yep some real good low brass on this album all right you want me to just go into it general general feeling of doom in this one yeah i mean the low brass just just like sounds like it's saying doom doom, doom, doom a lot of people doom. leaving yeah that's what i got <laughs> so i think this is the first one that's explicitly about colonization and warfare It opens with words from a character named Old Taylor, who could be a soldier, because that sounds like, you know, you'd talk about your military chums like Old Taylor. And then the next lines mention the field marshal. Uh, And then we get these fascinating and gorgeous lines. Watch out below the tides. Lean heavily like wine. We are all innocent in spite of you and me. And I'm not really sure, like, who are the innocent? Like... Are they the people who have been colonized or the soldiers? And I, yeah, yeah. the colonization of Africa shows up a little bit later in the song, um, in the lines, then Martha went, yes, Martha went away again down in Transvaal where crocodiles and men fight on. And Transvaal was for a long time, a British colony around where South Africa is now. In fact, there was a gold rush there from the, about the mid 1850s to like 1910s and wikipedia says by 1907 south african gold mines represented 32 percent of the world's gold output 
Whoa. which becomes relevant for the next lines. They would have played all night, even with loaded dice, although he pronounces it loaded dice, which... Mm-hmm. Mm. A little Alanis there. Yeah, a little Alanis uh, core. It's gold that eats the heart away and leaves the bones to dry. So I think we have soldiers and colonizers in South Africa, and the gold rush is all mixed up in there. And then finally it ends with a verse about a mysterious woman. Segovia watched, gendarmerie and all, that's all. The radio man, Amanda, did you choose your tune? She walked away in time. She walked a crooked line. So gracefully she turned her head and smiled away. So I'm not really sure. There's like some named people. There's Martha. There's Amanda. There's some definitely some specifics here, but I don't know if I could say that this song is necessarily like a cohesive picture. It just has like these little details just peppered here and there. I like that line, look out below, the tides lean heavily like wine. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. I like that they're innocent in spite of themselves. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, have some illusion. I like walk. the idea of crocodiles and men fighting <laughs> a little action scene. Are they fighting against each other or is they unrelated? Like men fighting men and crocodiles fighting crocodiles. Do you think just fighting their baser instincts to evolve? Oh, man versus himself. Yeah. One of the classic the stories versus him or <laughs> crocodile versus crocodile self. <laughs> crocodile self. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like I would get even more out of this album if I knew a lot more history than I do. Yeah, you know more history than a lot of people. Just because you like went to Europe. <laughs> it just sort of like infused into me. I steeped in it. It's like osmosis. You're also more willing to research things in general than most people that I know. Oh, I love my wiki rabbit holes. Just go down them yeah. all day long. This song's called The Endless Plane of Fortune. Did you say that? Yes, I think I did okay. when introducing it. I don't really know what that means. Unless, I mean, I don't know if yeah. Transvaal is a plane. Uh, um, uh? Yeah, there's like, there's like a lot of details in this album that don't necessarily, are not necessarily easy to grasp. It's sort of a, sort of a DIY song. The Blue Apron <laughs> of Songs. <laughs> the Blue Apron of Songs. <laughs> I guess in a sense that's true, yeah. And uh, that's a claim you can make about a lot of poems if we're saying that this is kind of poetic writing. So for those of you who maybe haven't listened to a lot of episode, Nathan is a poet and has his degree in, uh, has multiple degrees in creative writing and that's why he hates poetry so much. Yep. <laughs> that's extremely accurate. He took the, uh, you know, keep your friends close and your en- enemies closer <laughs> real to heart. And he's like, I'm going to get really get to know poetry because I hate it. So intimate. Yeah. Also, I'm a masochist. Yeah. Just wanted myself to suffer. Yes. Shall we go on to the next song? Andalusia. Andalusia. <laughs> Andalusia. Is that like slide guitar? Um, or like good, lap steel or something? Good question. It's really pretty. Yeah. Those are some really nice guitar noises. So this is a song about Spain? Well, Andalusia, Spain? Is that, that what it is? That word shows up. 
Right. I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of Castles the ways... and Christians. Yeah. That's, that's in, probably in there, huh? Yeah. that's. I, I think a lot of the ways that John Cale writes about some of these world politics and regions and stuff is kind of dreamlike, sort of like a fairy tale or a children's book almost. Um, and that's kind of how he refers to Andalusia in this song. It's sort of like the symbol for happiness, warmth, love. It's, it's like this romanticized yeah. literary thing probably doesn't have a lot to do with Andalusia itself, the region in southern Spain. Yeah, it keeps talking about, like, it's snowing there. It's like, does it snow a lot in Spain? Well, I don't think the song is set in Andalusia. The opening gotcha. lines are, Andalusia, when can I see ya? When it is snowing out again? And I guess there's a question mark there, according to the genius. And it pretty clearly takes place in kind of like an ordinary British setting, because the next lines are, Father John wants you, louder and softer, closer and dearer. And Farmer John does not sound like someone who would live in Andalusia. No. So I kind of feel like it's a... I don't think so. It's a love song. Pretty simple love song, actually, that takes place in Britain, but somehow involves Andalusia as a symbol or maybe it's a nickname for this person. Mm. There are the lines, Andalusia, castles and Christians, Andalusia come to stay. Maybe he wants to go on vacation there. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but there's some darker things beneath the surface of this romantic sized dreamlike, pretty ballad. Uh, it ends with a suggestion of possible loss. There's the verse, you were lost once before on a day much like this when you'd made up your mind not to come and I couldn't persuade you or wait till tomorrow or pass the time. And then, of course, there's some weird, like, maybe there's a love triangle going on with Farmer John Wants You. So there's John Cale and uh-huh. Andalusia and Farmer John. Farmer John. Is he the farmer? <gasps> he refers I, to himself in I'm the third team, person. I'm team Farmer John. Team Farmer John. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, ones do you ship? I ship Farmer John and John Cale. Oh, John and John. John on some hot yeah. John on John Axon. I um, yeah. Who needs Andalusia? I, I ship Andalusia and Galicia. Which is another region in Spain. God damn it. Mm, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> that joke would have totally landed if you weren't such a dummy. Well, <laughs> should you be doing the little not exactly lisp for Andalusia too? Um, Good question. I know they don't do that in all regions of Spain. He, d- he doesn't do that in the song. Andalusia. Andalusia. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I did not study Spanish or Spanish. I studied Latin American you Spanish, which does not list. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is a really pretty song. Let's see. Illusion Watch, of course, Andalusia, the autonomous community in southern Spain. It is the most populous and second largest in area of the autonomous communities in the country. Ah, Ooh. but this is interesting. It borders uh, the small British overseas territory of Gibraltar. Did you know there's a piece of the UK in the southern part of Spain? I knew the name Gibraltar, but I didn't know that that's what it meant. <laughs> did you know the name Gibraltar? <laughs> <laughs> or did you know the not, name Gibraltar? Not orally, apparently. <laughs> yeah. You knew part of it. You knew the jib. You, you had a good cut of the jib. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a piece of the UK. For some, I have no idea. It's some weird reason where they wanted to control the... Pillars of Hercules or whatever. Hmm. The entrance to the Mediterranean from the Atlantic. 
Okay. Uh, wouldn't you say autonomous community? What do you mean by that? I don't know. It's just Is what it like a sovereign Wikipedia nation. I mean, I think it's just like a province or something, man. I don't know. That's one of the wiki holes I didn't go down. Are you looking it up now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so entertaining and funny. All the things are, man. I feel like I'm being boring this episode. It's probably going to get better if you feel real self-conscious about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great point. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm giving you all layers of (laughs) self-consciousness. Oh, shit. Uh, Spain is not a federation, but a highly decentralized uh, unitary state. While sovereignty is vested in the nation as a whole, represented in the central institutions of government, the nation has asymmetrically devolved power to the communities, which in turn <laughs> everybody knows the that. right to self-government within the limits set forth in the Constitution and their autonomous statutes. Duh, everyone learned that in kindergarten. Come on. Tell me yeah. something I don't know. Sounds like states. Yep, basically. Or as they would say in Spain, estados. Yeah, but they call them autonomies, Auton- but or or whatever that is translated. Autonomias, maybe I don't know. Pro- probably. I never said I was the expert here. Yeah, shall we go on to the next song? Probably. Macbeth. Probably my least favorite song on the album. It's called Macbeth. I like that. Like what? Like that melody. Mm, the... Somebody knows for sure. Hmm. It's pretty. Yeah. Uh, so this is probably my least favorite song. It's it's kind of like a Why? weird... Well, it. I feel like it, it immediately doesn't really fit in with the rest of the album. It's this weird like stomping rock and roll song. With light oh, boogie woogie, yeah, it's got light boogie woogie rockabilly elements, and I just don't find the like backing music all that interesting or engaging. It's more boog- boogish woogish, boogish woogish. In fact, I like a lot of the alternate versions of the song better. I, well, I didn't ahead. end up listening to any of those. Oh, really? Good. <laughs> um, Tell me about them. Well, we can listen to a snippet of them. Listen to this one. There it is. You never thought it's quite that way. She knew it all. And made you see things on her way. Somebody knows for sure. Yeah. Or even this instrumental one. Which features slide guitar. Really leans into the whole little feet. Um, like country rock boogie woogie rockabilly kind of thing i don't know i i i think i might have liked this song better if they had done that a little bit more on the album version because it it feels like it's trying to be almost hard rock as it would be understood in the 70s and i just not that crazy about that uh but this song is about a guy 
named Macbeth. Perhaps you've heard of him. He was in an extremely famous play or whatever. And the opening lines are, Welcome home, Macbeth. It's been a long, long time, which sort of brings him into the modern world. And I think the larger point he's getting at is that the political violence and instability typified by the play Macbeth has returned in the early 20th century. Mm. And the kind of like disillusion of power structures mirrors Macbeth, the play. I've never seen or read it. I think I read it a long time ago. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't recall it being my favorite play ever. Which one is your favorite play ever? Uh, I remember liking the second Henry ad quite a bit, which is Henry the Fourth. No, wait. Uh, shit. Richard the. Se- oh man, I'm trying to remember this. Richard, I think it's Richard the Second. Henry the Fourth Part One, Henry the Fourth Part Two, and Henry the Fifth. I remember thinking those are really cool. Henry V, the Kenneth Branagh one that we watched together. That's such a good movie. (laughs) I love that I forced you to watch that. And then isn't Henry V also in My Own Private Idaho? (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) So it's also a Henry V movie. Well, it features um, excerpts of Henry IV Part Two, I think, and Henry V. Oh, very good. Yeah. Oh, I forced you to watch that one, too. Man, I was really obsessed with those plays back in the day. I liked them. Yeah, that was fun. It was kind of jarring to see it in my own private Idaho, but yep, whatever. <laughs> I think that was the Somehow point. Somehow I suspect that was the idea. Yes. <laughs> what a weird movie. Okay. Well, I don't know. What do you have to? What do you? What do you think of this song? What do you have to say about it? What? Uh, well, what's going on? So it was the most Beatles esque to me. Oh, in terms of like song structure and melody. Yeah, just sort of that that kind of like boogie blues. Mm-hmm. Gave me the boogie blues. <laughs> um, yeah. And I kind of like that. I, I kind of like that it was a little less sleepy than the other songs. Woke me up a little bit. So oh. I, I, I like the music of this one pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also kind of like the most plain uh, language, I think. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. Like the phrase is like, and everyone knows you're here. It's easy to see they care. Um Somebody knows for sure it's got to be me or it's got to be you. Those are the, they're kind of like rock and roll lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily specific, but they're not like imagistic. Right. Yeah. It's, it's probably one of the more understandable songs as a cohesive yeah. whole. Um, yeah. It's interesting you bring up that it kind of like woke you up and it was one of the most it's i think it's probably the most now i'm woke because yeah. i listened to it so woke he's such a woke ally now um because this is the end of the first side of the record and this is the first album we've listened to that was originally released on vinyl mm. and musicians used to put a lot of care and thought into the sequencing of different sides and how songs would fit together in terms of like one half versus the other half yeah um now I know that there are certain bands like Radiohead, uh, notably will put a lot of care into sequencing the songs as one long entire album, but it used to be, you would have to think about one half, you know, side A, side B, and you can usually hear it in older records because there's often an up-tempo number as the last song of a side. And I guess the thinking is that it encourages you to, encourages you to like flip it and keep listening. Yeah. So that's what this one does. It gets you all pumped up wakes you out of your slumber to turn the record over. Yep. Um, there's some illusions. They're pretty much all to the play Macbeth. Banquo shows up. 
who's a character, uh, Macbeth and I think lady Macbeth sort of shows up in the, she's alluded to, you know, it's true. You never saw things quite that way. She knew it all and made you see things all her way. I think that's a reference to lady Macbeth. Yeah. I, I really, I I got nothing here. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like there are witches. Yes, there are witches. And there's a dude named Macduff, which is a uh, silly name. <laughs> yeah, there's. I looked up some stuff about the characters, but I feel too bored with that right now. I watch. I just watched this video. There's this like race in Scotland where people run down this very very steep hill and get very very hurt. <laughs> Sounds like something uh, a Scottish would do. Yeah, I was watching this video. It's like a slow motion video on Facebook of these men and women running down this hill and it's so brutal it looks like these people are just dying like just <laughs> slow motion shots of them just like rolling over and over landing on their necks and stuff oh. <laughs> and like you know they'll like hit the ground they come up and they're just like covered in like blood and dirt <laughs> and, oh. and they're just still running i'm like what is this you know no true like- scotsman would participate in sports <laughs> that have any safety <laughs> Uh. yeah is that one of the highland games probably i remember for some reason my boy scout troop wanted to do one of those but like nobody there was scottish or anything or had any connection to scotland (laughs) whatsoever but we would just like pretend to do caver tossing or whatever i don't know it was weird is that where you throw a log yeah like upright yeah (laughs) an erect log (laughs) It's <laughs> fully erect. Yeah. Check out this caver. All right. Let's go on to the next song. It's called Paris 1919, the titular song. And on Friday she'd be there, but on Mondays not at all. Just casually appearing from the clock across the hall. Here it goes. So the first this time is I very heard this, like our house is a very 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 fine house. That's what this reminds me of. Wait, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? What is that? What what? You know that song? What what song? What? With two dogs in the yard and something something something. You know that song? Our house. Our house in the middle called? of the street. No different one. Oh, I don't know. What Maybe I'm mixing them then. up. It has like the same beat of like like the like eighth note strings and has like french horns and stuff oh weird it's like a very similarly conceived song but uh, I really when, like the Euro Ghost la 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 la. It's a really funny la, 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 lyric la, 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 to me. Yeah. In fact, it's like a f- very like it's a very like my brother, my brother, and me <laughs> or something like. That. Oh, there's no yeah. references to to horses in this one though. True. Uh, you know the when first did time you I heard- first hear this song? Me. Yeah. Twenty. That's what you were going to say before I interrupted. Yeah. You. Oh yes, 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 yes. The first time I heard this song, uh, I was like, "Man, this sounds like something Cameron would be into." I gotta oh. make him listen to the song, and I think I tried to, but you forgot. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. 
Um, so I to synopsize that. this song, I'm good at recommending music and terrible at listening to recommend, <laughs> music recommended to me. You know, Cameron, it's better to give than to receive. Yeah, that's you a good know, point. <laughs> sharing is caring. Um, so to synopsize the song, I think it's about like a wife who is flighting or flighty or something, but ah, beans. I just, I don't know if I can yeah. say that this song is coherently about anything at all. Are you sure this isn't about a literal ghost? It could be. I don't know. But there's like maids of honor showing up. Right. It's got so many great lyrics and great images, but I just don't know if it like is about anything in a way that like adds up to a single theme or anything um so it opens with the lines she makes me so unsure of myself standing there but never ever talking sense just a visitor you see so much wanting to be seen she'd open up the doors and vaguely carry us away and uh the chorus goes you're a ghost la 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 you're a ghost la 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 i'm the church and i've come to claim you with my iron drum la 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 what does that mean I was looking that up, but I couldn't figure what that was. Is that some sort of exorcism ritual? An iron drum? I have no idea, man. Yeah. It's more know. distrust of religion, um, which yeah. I don't know if I if I uh, mentioned this earlier, but did I say that John Cale was molested as a child by a priest at no. church? Yeah. He definitely has a lot of mistrust of religion, I think, possibly stemming well. from that. Who can blame Let's him? give him that one. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, there's some gesturing towards uh, socio-political commentary with the lines, the continent's just fallen in disgrace. William, William, William Rogers put it in its place. Blood and tears from old Japan, caravans and lots of jam, and maids of honor singing, crying, singing tediously. And mm. you're a ghost, la, 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 la. Yeah, so that... It's got some geopolitical shits. I don't know. <laughs> I, I also tried to look up who William, William, William Rogers would be. And it could be any number of people, including the singing From cowboy. The Will, 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 Will Rogers. Rogers Institute. Yeah. <laughs> there are some people who actually think that that's about Will Rogers, the singing cowboy. Yeah. Uh, or maybe the American Secretary of State under Richard Nixon, who um, a couple years before this song was involved in the Paris peace talks, for the Viet- Vietnam War. So mm. that's a thing, I guess. Be kind of anachronistic. It could also be a Canadian World War One flying ace. That's something another person was talking about. So who knows? Um, I do love the low brass on this song. I have a, uh, a sample of... Yeah. I just love the bit where it comes in. It goes like this. It's the funny thing to say or do it's like so simple and it's Bow. it's it's not Bow. exactly like Bow. revolutionary but it's Bow. so satisfying yeah it's really good yeah i All also really lockdowns pop walk yeah downs. Uh, i also really like the way he delivers the lines as the crowds begin complaining how the Beaujolais is raining down on darkened meetings on the Champs-Élysées. I really like the way he delivers. He just like kind of yells the part about the Champs-Élysées. As the crowds begin complaining how the Beaujolais is raining down on darkened meetings on the Champs-Élysées. Here goes mm. Yeah. Maybe not yells, but definitely belts He's it out. He practically screamed it. <laughs> okay. He's a real screamo vocalist. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I, I love. I want to hear a screamo cover of Paris 1919. <laughs> that probably work fairly well considering how the lyrics are structured. <laughs> let's let's uh, let's see if Slayer ever covered uh, Paris 1919. Nope. <laughs> what are you looking up? Uh, Owen Pallet. Yeah. Oh yeah, he covered his covered song it. live. There's right. no recording of him doing it, or not not recording studio. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's all we got. Just Owen Pallet. Just some dude live. It's very much an Owen Pallet song. Totally. Yeah. Um, I feel like lyrically, Owen Pallet writes lyrics in a really similar way. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I relate to his images a lot more. Mm-hmm. But, uh, cause maybe, maybe because so many of them are just about video games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or D&D. Yeah. <laughs> Could be it. Yep. Or just sex. <laughs> Hell yeah. Rock and roll. Hell yeah. Yeah. What did you think of the interlude on this song? Oh, uh, I don't remember it. Oh, there's like this bridge interlude part. It goes like this. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. A bunch of birds tweet, tweetering, twittering. Yeah, it reminded me of like, is it morning mood or something? Uh, morning wood is what you're thinking of. <laughs> uh, you know, Greg's morning wood. <laughs> yeah. Boing, 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 boing. Boing, boing, Man, that Edward Grieg had a lot of songs about boners. You know what I mean? Boner, 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 boner. Oh, that's funny. You know, the you first know time I heard that song? When, uh, when you had Morning Wood? Uh, no. <laughs> that's what it feels like every morning. Yeah. It's like that plays in my head. Uh, it's um, got to be a cartoon, right? No, I, fr- I think I first heard that song in the uh, in the game Army Men on the computer. Really? <laughs> the PC game oh. Army Men, because they had all classical, just... Uh, public domain. Public domain music. <laughs> it's yeah. so sophisticated. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's go on to the next song. It's called Graham Green. Oh, welcome back to Chipping Sunbury. Harpsichord. You're bored? Did you just say you were bored? No, I said harpsichord. Oh, harpsichord. Okay. Isn't that what that is? Honestly, I think that's it's a guitar like, guitar run through beep, a tremolo beep, pedal. Oh. Yeah. No, that sounds like a guitar run through a tremolo pedal. There's a little part going beep boom beep bam boom boop bam boop ba ba ba. That's what it I think like. it's a combination of the guitar run through the tremolo pedal, sort of getting mixed up with a piano. There's All definitely right. a piano in there. Um, which, speaking of the piano, the intro to the song is a little bit bonkers. I don't know. I listened to it, and it's that piano is kind of like nasty sounding. Listen to this. Oh yeah, it's slightly out of tune. Slightly. Especially that last note. Uh, that's yeah. It's a little bit it's hard like, to take. It's um, 
one of one of those notes, like a couple of the strings on that key, are down. Mm. I mean, he must have done that on purpose, right? Uh, maybe. I mean, he's a, it's also not hard to find out of tune pianos. That's true. That's true. But he's also, he's like a viola player. Like he's got to have a pretty good ear, right? Uh, he, I'm sure he noticed that it was out of tune, and mm. and decided to use it on purpose. I don't know if he purposely detuned it himself. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So this song is titled Graham Green which is a literary illusion on its own because Graham Greene is an English novelist regarded by many as one of the greatest writers of the 20th century. Uh, I've mostly heard of him as the author of a book called Our Man in Havana, which is a satirical novel about spies in pre-communist Cuba. Hmm. And this song literally places the listener with Graham Greene in the opening lines. You're having tea with Graham Greene in a colored costume of your choice. And Sounds then, nice. Yeah, it does sound kind of nice, doesn't it? Like you're a clown or something. Um, And then the next verse skips forward to high society. You're making small talk now with the queen and the elegant ladies in waiting. You're very nervous. They can all tell pretty well. They can tell. Yeah. And then some of my favorite lines in any song ever. So save yourselves for the hounds of hell. They can have you all to themselves. Since the fashion now is to give away all the things that you love so well. Ooh. So Break startling. That down for me. Such a gut punch. Right in the nards. Yeah. Um, so this is it goes from the high society of the the queen and the elegant ladies of waiting to the hounds of hell and how you're kind of thrown to the hounds of hell by this high society. Uh, and part of the reason for that is that the fashion now is to give away all the things that you love so well, which is you. Mm. Right? <laughs> uh, did you not like this album very much? I Well, yeah, I didn't like it very much. Mm. Okay. I didn't dislike it very much or at yeah. all. Okay. <laughs> okay. I just didn't. I, I would say that I liked it some. Some. Okay. It definitely took yeah. me a couple listens to get into it. Um, well, yeah, I've only listened to it twice. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess maybe I should try to steer the conversation more towards the music because that's something that you know more about. Um, what did you think of the music of this song? Uh, I thought it was really cute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, def- definitely uh, seemed to be cute, ironically. Mm-hmm a bit and a little sassy about it, but, um, that's mostly given the words, but, and also the attitude piano. I also, yeah, I enjoyed the, the phrasing. It was also very Beatles, Beatles esque, like the lyrics. You're very nervous. They can all tell pretty well. They can tell. I feel like that's something straight out of a, uh, Beatles, Beatles song. Mm hmm. Um, it's a little insectoid. And just like the general sounds just felt very British. Yeah. <laughs> just like uh, Chipping and Sodbury. Oh my God. It's the most British town name I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, what a strange chorus. Welcome back to Chipping and Sodbury. You can have a second chance. It must all be like second nature, cutting down the people where they stand. Yeah. Oof. I don't know if that's like violence, cutting down the people where they stand in the sense of like murdering them. 
or if it's just or just class. Yeah, it could be like a class social hierarchy, politeness. Uh, you know, cutting down people in the it's sense so of shocking. looking down on them. See the see the old Church of E looking down on you and me. Yeah, more religious. Uh, oh, this is mistrust. an interesting couplet. When the average social director mistakes a passenger for the conductor. Mm-hmm. Mm. What what's what's interesting about that? Uh, I don't fucking know. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound like it is, but just like I I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't really know what the social director is or who that represents. Um. Yeah. There's a reference to a fairly contemporary British politician named Enoch Powell in the lines. According to the latest score, Mr. Enoch Powell is fall, a falling star. So in future, please bear in mind, don't see clear, don't see far. And Enoch Powell uh, got widespread attention in 1968 when he gave a famous speech called the Rivers of Blood speech. And it criticized mass immigration into the UK and a, opposed an anti-discrimination legislation. And it was mm. immediately considered by most people as a blatant demonstration of racism mm. and he was disowned from his own conservative party wow yeah and eric clapton loves that guy apparently yeah uh, i've heard that he's pretty racist <laughs> yeah <laughs> good, that old, good old eric clapton. good old racist air we called him I don't like you, Eric Clapton, very much. You're a little racist. I hate you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's my favorite Cream song. (laughs) Yeah. That was a fun, cute song. I like it. Um, It's a little bit hard to listen to with that detuned piano. Um, You don't like that? it's, It's jarring. I don't know. You liked it? Yeah, of course I did. I love dissonance on purpose. Okay. Okay. Yeah, have you, uh, I mean, speaking of Terry Riley, who you mentioned earlier, have you ever heard, fuck, what's it called? That's a weird name for Terry a Riley has, yeah, Terry Riley has a, has a, an album that's all piano solo music and it's all, um, just intonation. Um, but he changes keys. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. So like towards the end of the album, it's just like, it's just fucking gnarly. And it kind of gives you a tummy ache, but in a nice way. <laughs> One of those nice it's tummy aches rough. that everybody has. That's a very relatable experience that everybody knows what that means. So we, we we've talked <laughs> we've talked about this on the on the show before, but like uh, just intonation meaning um, that in order to be able to play in every key, all twelve keys, um, major or minor. So I guess that would be twenty four keys. Uh, you have to. Um, make everything equally out of tune isn't that a metaphor yeah (laughs) you have to have compromise which is called um, master of none am i right yeah uh um well-tempered is the name for that bach was famous for his well-tempered clavier which Mm -hmm. is where he would have his little portable keyboard and he would you know sit down and play a song in every single key back to back without tuning um but uh before that if you wanted to play a song, you'd have to get tuned to that key, but then you couldn't leave that key very much. So you could, it wasn't musically as rich mm-hmm. as, um, anyway, so Terry Riley, he, he took a just intoned, meaning, uh, 
tuning for one key specifically or one family of keys and then he uh, played in the wrong keys <laughs> Ooh, wow. so that it sounds like real crunchy why why do you have such a um uh yeah like a response to that do you just dislike things when they're out of tune i don't know man i just yeah i listened to the detuned piano on the opening of the song and just like i don't know yeah i mean i guess like listening to a lot of like classic old time like my feeling of like intonation really is like there is such a thing as um uh what am I trying to say? There is such a thing as like physical, it's not relative, you know, like physical consonants, you mm-hmm. know, is a, you know, it's, it actually is physics. Um, like when something is, uh, resonating, at, you know, at exactly twice, you can tell, like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it pretty well, has a really, you can tell, you could tell. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the idea that that is the same as good, or that that is like a desirable sound and more desirable than dissonance is a cultural thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I have kind of a a little bit of a toothache, um, reaction to bells sometimes because bells Mm. and their weird overtones can like, be kind of a little bit of a mind fuck. You ever listen to gamelan music? Yeah. For some reason that doesn't bother me as much as just like European style bells. I don't know, maybe because like it's so overwhelming that it becomes a chorus effect. I don't know. Well, yeah, they very, I feel like they very intentionally tune their dissonances so that they get really specific interference beats. Mm-hmm. So maybe that it, the, the rubbing kind of sound is like what it's all mixed together. It's like a more pleasant. Or maybe just because you know you're listening to foreign music, you just like have different expectations. Could be, yeah. That being said, I really like that piano part. I like out of tune pianos huh. sometimes. Okay. Yeah, for certain music. Yeah. All right, let's go on to the next song. It's called Half Past France. He's no fool. Wish I'd get to see my son again. Okay, so this is the song we were alluding to earlier, where it's a it's about a soldier returning from the war, probably World War One, and it's one of the more straightforward songs on the album. It opens with the lines, "I suppose I'm glad I'm on this train, and it's long, somewhere between Dunkirk and Paris." Um, and yet later in the song, he does say they're floating in a bay, which I wonder if that's like a flashback to wartime or what? I don't know. Uh, but the soldier does sort of conclude that the war has changed him. He says, from here on, it's got to be a simple case of them or me. If they're alive, then I am dead. Pray God and eat your daily bread. Take your time. Yeah. yeah. And that's repeated uh, uh, lyrics in this song. What do you think of it? Uh, I thought that it was someone going to war. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess it could be. Shit. I don't know. I mean, I, it, it there's nothing like, in the song that would make it that it couldn't be that. Yeah. Huh. Where's Dundee? That, well, the interesting thing about that is that's a place in Scotland, 
which then many things got named after, including a little town near to where you and I live together in, in uh, Newburgh, Oregon. There's a neighboring town called yeah. Dundee, Oregon. There's also an island in Antarctica called Dundee, which will come up mm. sort of in the next song. Well, will be referenced in the next song, which is called Antarctica Starts Here. Yeah. You know, you might be onto something, though. Like the lines from here on, it's got to be a simple case of them or me. If I'm alive, if they're alive, then I am dead. That does sound like someone who's going off to wartime rather than coming back. Yeah. Unless it's talking about PTSD or something. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it makes more sense going to war. Yeah. But then why would he be glad that he's on the train? Well, he says, I suppose I'm glad. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely a little ambivalent. Um, I mean, he says in the last stanza, uh, I'm not afraid now of the dark anymore. And many mountains now are molehills. So like uh, going to war is putting things in perspective, maybe. Or it could be coming back from war. Back in Berlin, they're all well fed. I don't care. People always bored me anyway. It seems like he's sort of like uh, resigning himself to die. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, Yeah. I don't know, man. But but that line, things are so much different here than Norway, not so cold. Um, wonder when we'll be in Dundee. It it feels like he's going somewhere else. Yeah. So it's, As opposed to coming back home. He's going from Norway through Paris, I guess, up to Dunkirk and across the Channel, and then from there to Dundee and Scotland. So he's making like a big U-shape from Norway to Scotland. Yeah. He could have just taken a boat, you know, across the yeah. way. Be much That'd more direct, be. idiot. <laughs> Fix your song, John. <laughs> protagonist is a dummy. Have more likable protagonist. Yeah. Um, Dunkirk also does become very important for World War II. A little foreshadowing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the lines also, back in Berlin, they're all well fed. I don't care. People always bored me anyway. I can resonate with that. Yeah. <laughs> For example, there's there's a friend of mine that's been really boring lately. His name rhymed with <laughs> Dameron, and it's just been so boring. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely me that's boring. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and not and not us trying to talk about this album. <laughs> this is surprisingly challenging. I don't know, like yeah. Uh, okay. I feel like the, we're experimenting with the format. Yeah. And, uh, I hope we don't turn off too many people because like the, I guess the way I, I ended up responding to this album for this show is just like write big walls of text about the different illusions and stuff. And it's like, that's not an entertaining show to listen to. I could just sit here and lecture I you mean, about old Holweg and how there's a ge- genius commentator who thinks that's uh terrible von Bettmann Holweg, who's the German chancellor in 1914. <laughs> which is a hundred percent real i'm not yeah. even making that up <laughs> but that's not an entertaining or fun show that has jokes in it yeah it's all been kind of downhill since we talked about hanky panky know how <laughs> yeah the real sexy song broke my when you disillusioned me oh no more sexy times no yeah yeah this is like surprise it's 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 kind of a interesting combination of pretty accessible orchestral poppy music but then also extremely challenging lyrics yeah yeah and uh 
I don't know if I appreciated that the first many times that I listened to this album. Cause you know, I would catch like a fragment or an image or a verse here or there. And individually those all can be extremely coherent on their own. But right. if the song itself isn't super coherent, it turns out it's kind of hard to talk about. Right. I think it's also just hard to, it's kind of hard to talk about like competent music for a long period of time. Mm, yeah. Um, and I think it's like a lot easier to talk about the artists that we've talked about because they are just so clearly a character in their own music. Yeah. And like, I don't know where, I don't know where John exactly is in these songs. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't have any preconceptions about John. Oh, you're on a first name basis with him now, huh? You and John are best pals. Yeah, Mr. Kale. <laughs> uh, so many hacky jokes we could be making about that. Listeners, I hope you appreciate that we're not making a bunch of stupid hacky jokes about his name. I mean, I made the one at the beginning, and I got it out of the way. And we haven't been making them this entire time, so you're welcome. Uh, okay. If you did, I would have to kale you. <laughs> what a great... Okay, last song on this album, number nine, Antarctica starts here. Uh, I can't wait. Sound a little horse, John. <laughs> There's the horse reference. <laughs> we have ghosts and now horses, and our life is complete. So, ah, first let's talk about how he's whispering in this song. I don't know if that's necessarily, I think, my favorite thing. I'm not crazy about it. (laughs) In an alternate version that he recorded, he doesn't quite whisper as much, and I think it works better. See her every movie night, the strong against the weak, the lines come out and struggle with that speaks that speaks like yeah. those uh roads yeah there's some great music in this song do you say those roads or that roads oh uh it's got to be that road i guess right? it would be that yeah roads must be a name unless there's more uh, than one of them yeah that those roads is maybe how many roads must a man play on before you can call him a man? That's a damn good question. Hmm. Two or three Rhodesia, maybe? That's the plural of roads, <laughs> Rhodesia. <laughs> hmm. Speaking of colonialism, um, so they say that this song is based on the movie Sunset Boulevard. And by they, I mean one of the reviewers I read, maybe Pitchfork. And I think that makes sense. I haven't seen that movie but it's apparently about an aging actress who goes nuts or something. And we do have the, uh, the, the lines here. Oh shit. I clicked on the wrong, I clicked on the wrong song. We have the lines, the paranoid great movie queen sits idly fully armed, the powder and mascara there, a warning light for charm. We see her every movie night, the strong against the weak, the lines come out and struggle with the empty voice that speaks. So I could see that being a uh, a takeoff on this movie that I've never seen and I'm, don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Sunset Boulevard, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nah. Um, it ends with this kind of inexplicable verse. Her schoolhouse mind has windows now where handsome creatures come to watch the anesthetic wearing off. Antarctica starts here, which are the closing lines yeah. of the album. And of course that raises the question, why Antarctica? What does that have to do with anything? I don't know. I, is it, is it about barrenness or something? Could be. Um, I think, I don't know. It's a, it's an album that's so concerned with power struggles and colonialism and Antarctica is kind of like the last frontier. Right. Uh, European powers have sort of fought over it or had diplomatic squabbles about it, even though it's pretty much worthless and totally inaccessible. And, Oof. uh, Britain also has a history of exploring there. They had, they sent the, uh, Shackleton Exposi- expedition in 1907 in which one of the people became the first person to reach the Southern magnetic pole. Wow. Yeah. So Antarctica, uh, starts here. Starts here. Yep. Gentlemen, start your engines to take over that barren, worthless continent. So that's the last song. It's uh, 31 minutes long. I mean, the album, not the song. <laughs> Very short album that packs a lot of dense. words. Dense. Yes. Who are you calling Stupid. dense? <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Dumbass. A real nimrod. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for the album. Yeah. Sorry you didn't like it as much as I thought you would. Hmm. What did you think I would think of it? I don't know. I, I thought you'd get really excited about the music um, because I, I feel like it reminds me a lot of Owen Pallet in many places. And right. some of the songwriting actually reminds me of Joanna Newsom, who can uh, also sometimes have a sort of imagistic style of writing songs. I'm not sure what I like in music anymore. <laughs> I'm trying to figure that out right now. Like what's appealing to me. <laughs> Interesting. So that's a good segue yeah. into asking what are we going to listen to for next week, Cameron? Oh, so I like, I teased you on, uh, last night's, um, bonus episode yeah. that we recorded, uh, that I knew who we were going to listen to. And you're like, Oh, is it Curtis Blofeld? Yeah. <laughs> like the Bond movies. Yeah. The Bond movies. <laughs> Curtis Stavro uh, Blofeld. You're like, is it Curtis Mayfield? And I, and I said, yes. And you, and, and you're like, oh, so you guessed it in one, but we're going to listen to roots or roots. Oh no. Curtis Mayfield. It's going to betray our Oregonian accents. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really good album. It has a lot of, um, it has a lot of lyrics in it that I think are like kind of missteps or it seems like they weren't edited. Um, but I kind of don't mind. Like, it's like a lot of things that I would have been annoyed at in Alanis's music, but I'm not annoyed at in, uh, Curtis's music. So like, Uh, I think that's interesting. uh And, uh, it's some of the most interesting, um, some of the most interesting singing, uh, that I've ever heard. Oh, okay. So, and it's just some great disco strings and like bongos and stuff. But, uh, his singing is really like what sells it for me. Okay. I like the sound of that. That sounds kind of fun. Is it long? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Let's go to the Wikipedia. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. The Funk Soul Brother. I mean, I had it on vinyl. It all fit on a vinyl. Oh. 
Okay. Oh, it's from yeah. 1971. Holy shit. It's even earlier than mine. Yeah. Yep. 39 I minutes. Wins. It's only, only got seven songs on it. Okay. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Well, we have another announcement to make because after Curtis Blofeld uh, from the Bond films, that's going to be our, for now, the end of our experimentation and our little interludes. And we're going to get talking about the next artist that we're going to be exploring the back catalog of. And listener, we need your help for that because in the bracket episode, we, we pitted eight artists against each other. Uh, that was released, uh, last Wednesday or last Thursday, sorry, as of this recording, the last day of May. So it technically qualified as a May bonus episode. Um, we released that as a bonus episode, but we narrowed it down to two finalists. We have T-Pain on one side, which Cameron Yay. brought to the table, and Sly and the Family Stone on the other side, which I brought to the table. And we have to figure out who we're going to talk about between those two. So we need you, listener, to vote. Go to vote.boxset.website and cast a vote for one of those two. Vote or die. Vote and die. Peace. <laughs> Uh, they won't be related though <laughs> it'll just be a coincidence <laughs> yeah um so as that implies you can visit us online at boxset.website if you want to email us go ahead and do that email at boxset.website you can tweet us at tote bs podcast if you wouldn't mind writing this review on itunes that would be great we would really appreciate it and uh you can give us money at support.boxset.website we can listen to cameron's other podcast called get up in the cool well, and if you give us money, you'll get all the rest of the bonus episodes, and there's some pretty great bonus episodes. Oh, yeah, there. there's some good ones. Our little, our little, um, we spent like, we ended up with like a 20, 25 minute episode where we tried to record an ad spot for our pals at Beyond the Box set. <laughs> That's probably my favorite thing that we've ever done. Oh, God. Because we get real buck wild with it, just trying to like yep. freestyle to explain our own show. Yep. Say things like, I am Garth Brooks, and you can too. <laughs> I am so tickled by that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> until next week where we talk about Curtis Blow and how basketball is his favorite sport, I've been Nathan Hunt, and I have a Skype wedgie. <laughs> I've been Cameron DeWitt, and check out this caber. <laughs> caber, I hardly knew her. Got hanky pinky know how. <laughs> Staggerly was a bad man. All that coffee for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I drank some. Made myself a little arrow press latte. Does that not keep you up at night? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> but oh, okay. I, I've experimented with a lot of beverages. Uh, before recording Think Outside the Box Set. And, um... Think Outside the Bev Set. Alcohol, it always, like, it always kind of slows me down. The episodes are always better in retrospect, but, like, right afterwards, I'm like, wow, I was a real bummer, wasn't I? Um, but (laughs) I feel like the best in the moment and later is, is, uh, having a little AeroPress. Hmm. Seems to do it. Interesting. A little pick-me-up. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I wonder how I would be on this show if I like drank tea. I mean, I couldn't at night, but we like record on the weekend or something. Yeah, you're a very sensitive man. I am a very sensitive man. 
I weep at the slightest provocation of caffeine. 